We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Issue number 603. I am your host, Bianarita. And I am your other other host, Gable Hashitani. It just feels weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we haven't done a show without Aaron before. In fact, the reason I have this computer is because we were doing shows without Aaron almost like kind of a lot. But it's been a long time since then. I, I'm amused that uh, the auto captions on Facebook Live spelled it E R I N. Mm, interesting. You have to say A A Ron in order to get it to spell Aaron <laughs> correctly. Insert key and peel jokes here. Yep. No, it comes up as A A Run. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have captions on my Facebook Live. Oh, I think I had turned it on, so when it's silent, it just auto-generates captions. Uh, um, but yeah. Hi, Denise. How was your week? Hot. Hot yep. and full of dead cats. Mm, Singular, that but that's that's like that's enough. That is that is a fully a, a full amount of of that. That is uh, 100% more dead cat than I think anyone really wants. It is definitely 100% more dead cat than I ever want. Uh, it's also 100% more dead cat than I've ever had to deal with. So uh, I had to I had to handle my first little dead body ever. Oh. oh my God. And it was the first mm. day of the heat wave. So not the hottest day, but obviously a deadly amount of heat. And... Um, so we waited until dark uh, to to deal with the situation. And um, at some point, moisture was streaming down my face. And I'm not sure if it was, it was like tears or sweats, maybe both. I just felt so bad. It, what can you do? I mean, like, you did the thing that... You did a thing that, that people 
find difficult to do. And that is, uh, I think, a an unspoken rule of pet stewardship um, that if you are with them in the beginning, you have to be there for them in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never, I've never had that. It's I, I, that's like a long, like series of events as to why that is. But you know, for for various circumstances, I've never, I've never been with a pet. At, oh no, that's not true. Christian had greyhounds when we first uh, moved in together, and mm, and mm-hmm. they they got to a point where their health was impacting their um, quality of life. So decisions had to be made. I have put down two cats in my adult life. Um, one of them moved with me from Eastern Oregon to Portland. And uh, the other was uh, found him. He was wandering a neighborhood. And they just, they were the two cats that I had for the longest period of time. Hmm. Uh, they both, they, uh, I had to put one down and then the other, I had to put down within about two months. Oh, wow. It was December and February. Because they, they just the other one went, well, they're just not here anymore, so I don't care. And they were both 18. Um, so, yeah, it's one of the, it's been, pre- I don't, I don't want to stick on this because this is not what we're here to talk about. Um but it's been on my mind more lately because as Manju gets older, she has more health issues. Mm-hmm. She's a 16 year old cat. Yeah. Claymore is 13, 14. Yeah. I lose, I lose, I lose track of the number, but, uh, and she's definitely been having some weird behavioral issues lately that I, I'm worried are, are health related. So yeah. uh, <clears throat> it could just be that she's a cat though. And cats are sometimes assholes. Uh, they're not sometimes myself. assholes. They are <laughs> always assholes. They are assholes we... with adorable traits that keep yes. us from strangling them. Like babies. Mm-hmm. Like little human babies, but with more fur. Um, I, we we got into this topic without clarifying what what we were talking about. So for anyone who doesn't like, <laughs> just like diligently follow me on social media. Um, it was extremely hot in the Northwest, which I'm sure everyone is more or less aware of. And, uh, and, yep. and there was a dead cat outside of my house uh, on the first day of three, like, world record-breaking temperatures. It was record-breaking. Yeah, it was uh, record-breaking for Portland area. Um, it was notable that it was hotter in Portland than it was in the Sahara Desert. 98% um, of the planet. Yep. We were hotter then. Um, so, yeah. We were that's hotter than my hometown of Phoenix, which is the reason I left Phoenix. Yeah, that's, um, that's amongst not many. right. No, no, it's not. Um, I keep wondering why I'm squinting. And then I'm like, oh, right. Put on your glasses, dummy. <laughs> old. Oh, man. I can't, I can't function at all without corrective something. Right. I won't say glasses because I have contacts too, but like I can't, I can walk to the bathroom and back to bed. That's it. You you need corrective eyewear of some sort. Give me a second. I, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, but the nice thing about relying on your eyewear so heavily is that you can't really forget or misplace them very easily because you're not getting far without them. Yep. I uh, wear mine at work and I take them off and on frequently because I'm 
doing computer work and have to get up and talk to people and do computer work. So I went to go get a lanyard yesterday to, to put it on and couldn't find any and ended up getting these really classy, uh, I'll hold it again. See, they're little eyeglasses. They're, oh, they're old church lady, uh, glass chain, glasses chain. And I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm just old lady cable now. Little, that's, old, that's little old ladies, uh, are where it's at when it comes to stylish eyewear chains. Yep. Like who, who wants a fucking like neoprene croaky when you can have cool gunpowder metal chain with little glasses on them? Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. I just said, yeah, fuck it. I'm just, I'm going to roll right into it because who, who the fuck cares? <laughs> um, oh, and I can hear it in that voice. Uh, Steve Coker just uh, did, well, did church lady. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that special? Mm. <laughs> I I sometimes I'm like, oh man, I I should have gotten the LASIK when I had the chance because mm. then I would have had at least a, a small window of my lifetime where I didn't rely on glasses before I need them some more again. Because when you get old, you just need glasses anyway for different eyeball reasons that I'm going to not get into right now. No one cares. No one cares why old people need glasses. But it's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm i not going to lie. While I was picking up the, the chain, I'm like, do I need to pick up a pair of readers too while I'm, while I'm here? Not for reading per se, but for, I'm like, like putting on the, the 3.5 strength going, Oh yeah, this has helped mini painting a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that way, I don't have to have a giant magnifying glass in front of me trying to do this. It's like, oh yeah, this this will be fine. Um, I have a I have a magnifying glass with LED lights around the ring mm-hmm. for when I'm doing cross stitch. Sometimes. Nice. Very nice. See, the small little things are up close is what I can see, and uh... <laughs> it's the step far away. Yeah, yeah. I am nearsighted. Mm. Uh, so what are we talking about today besides old lady eyewear and dead cats? <laughs> and dead cats. Hey, you know, that's it. That's it. That's the show. That's <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> that's all we're done. Yep, we're done. Um, well, since uh, we didn't get to talk Bad Batch last week because you were an episode behind, much, much to your surprise. Uh, we have two episodes of Bad Batch to talk about tonight. Um, the latest episode of Loki. Um, all of this will be very spoiler heavy, so if you haven't watched them, you, you get on that. I bought you um, guys an extra week. That's all I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wanted to recap some stuff that uh, happened over the weekend. Uh, the, there was the first ever Lego Con, which was a... Uh, video conference to Lego convention held in Billund at the, the infamous Lego house. Which yeah. if, if you don't know what that looks like, you should look it up. It looks cool. But that will also, I think I, I'll dovetail that into um, Bad Batch. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We can kind of like weave in and out. Yeah. Well, in that case, where would you like to start? Meh. I, I, I think we should, we can start with Loki. Get Loki. Loki's fairly compact, and, and then kind of uh, weave back and forth in Bad Batch and, and Lego news, since some of it is related. Yes. 
That's a guarantee for everyone. Yep. All right. So episode three of Loki, which I'm sure has a, 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 a episode title, but I don't actually know what it is off the top of my head. I'm the worst at this. I, I don't remember what the title is either. It's something punny to do with time. Um, but it, this is the episode where we get to see, like, the last thing we saw was Loki running through a portal after himself, technically. Herself. Yes. 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 Yeah. Well, I had to, I had to, like, really, like, break that down. But yes, yeah. that, that is, that is correct. Lamentus is the name of the... Lamentus. Yes, because that's the name of the planet that yes. they're on. Still, um, there, there's still a joke in there, but yep. uh, uh, this was the, and I'm, I'm not going to take credit for this. I'm going to give this all credit to Indigo Kelly who said this, and that is, this was the most Doctor Who episode of Loki to date, <laughs> and like he mentioned that early in the day, and when I finally sat down and watched, it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this is, this is Matt Smith era Doctor Who. Okay, little- if you. If a little uh, Tom Baker, Doctor Who. I wouldn't be able to answer or like speak to the Tom Baker part, but Matt Smith definitely had some of the more melancholy arcs. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Lamentis uh, would definitely be a Matt Smith style of Doctor Who episode. And it it was everything that could possibly go wrong kept going wrong. Um, to the degree of like, are they actually going to get out of this? How are they going to get out of this? Or is this just suddenly going to end at episode four? <laughs> Even though it's supposed to be on for six episodes. Um, which, uh, in my mind, that's some of the best um, best Doctor Who work is when you feel like, oh my god, is are they actually going to kill Doctor Who in this episode? <laughs> are they actually going to make it out? Um and I, I think from my standpoint, the, it, it, trying to figure out, it's like, well, which one is the doctor and which one is the companion? It's like, oh, that's just it. They both think they're the doctor. <laughs> yes. Yes. They they uh, are both extremely critical of one another. Uh, Sylvie mm-hmm. uh, as the, is the other one. As she does not like being called Loki. She doesn't like being called a lot of things. True. Well, now, and now I have to think of what the other one is because I said that. I don't know. Uh, my brain is just not. Um, it's all used up for the day. But I used it all up prior to this. I had my first day of work today, and uh, yeah, I've yeah, run yeah. out. Of, I've run out of brain. Apparently, it happens. <laughs> uh, um, <okay. laughs> but uh, I guess to finish the recap, it, it's the. Loki and Sylvie are trapped on a planet, as Loki pointed out in the episode before. Uh, Sylvie has been hiding in various apocalypses, um, which she can do because she can do anything, and it doesn't change or affect the outcome. It's still an apocalypse. Right. Um, it's the end and, of the world, so there's no, there's nothing there to suffer the effects of whatever she may have done. Right. She does not cause any variation in the in the grand timeline. Um. But they're transported to an entire planet that's about to get smashed by another planet, and there's they, their little 
transportation device, runs out of juice, and then gets broken. So there's no way off this planet as far as they can tell. And so they had to, they've got to figure that out. Oh, yes, Norm, uh, agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he says that uh, I think this episode had some of the best fight choreography for a Marvel show yet. Oh, hold on, hold on. But that means that you're putting it up there with that Daredevil hallway fight scene. Yeah. If you're, ta- if you're talking all of Marvel television. Okay. So, Pushpin, um, we're going to go back and watch some Marvel fights and do just just this, where it's like, oh, what was the best Marvel television fight scene? Because we'll need to go through Daredevil, Punisher, Luke Cage, uh, Jessica, Jessica Jones. Jones. Uh, WandaVision. WandaVision doesn't really have any fight scenes. Not it's magic fight choreography. It's different. Yeah, there's no physical interacting with each other. Right. Oh, there's there's vision and vision, but Mm, yeah, it's that all still feels mystical. Right, and I think it's most of that is it's pretty heavily CGI'd mm -hmm. as opposed to practical. So hmm, maybe don't count that. But I also feel like there's there's some intense fight choreography from falcon and winter soldier Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. again i'm not going to argue with this point right now because i do think that the fight scene between loki and sylvie was fantastic it was it was a ballet a vicious violent ballet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very graceful Mm -hmm. um i saw someone else comment on the internet about the fact that the actress that's playing Sylvie. I don't know why I don't have IMDb up right now. What's wrong with me? It's like I've never done this before. <sighs> Ever. Um, but they commented that little mannerisms and facial tics that she had and ways of standing. It's like, oh, that's 100% what Tom Hiddleston does. Like, she doesn't look like Tom Hiddleston, and yet she looks like Loki. Damn it. Uh, Sophia DiMartino is the Dang. actress's name. You know, I did not pay close enough attention. And now, damn it. I'm going to have to watch it again. I'm just going to have to watch it again. Because that's, uh, that's a really important element to to acting when it's when you're acting like another character. Mm-hmm. I I definitely think that the in are you shitting me? That's hilarious. Um, the entirety of Loki is going to need a, a second and third and probably fifth watch. I will say that, like, I know we're only three episodes in, but definitely Loki is, um. I want to say the smartest of the three, the three shows that we've gotten in the past year. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of like, you know, they have to loop in all of this, you know, paradox, timeline, math and science. I think they've now with Loki, I, I think that they've managed to hit all of the, the major points in the MCU so that we're touching like it's creating that connective tissue between end game 
and Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that yet? No. Okay. I need God to because... Damn it, Bean. <laughs> yeah. Gotta watch that one. Wait, I thought you watched all the Marvel movies. Which one is Far From Home? It is the one that came after Endgame where he's on a European trip. Okay, no, I watched everything up until Endgame, or up through Endgame. That's where I, I'm like, okay, I'm done. No, you're not done. <laughs> uh, I guess Spider-Man the- Far From Home is the last one. Okay. All right, go on, Sam. Gotta watch okay, I, I will, I will, I promise I'm going to watch it soon. Then. I'm going to, I'm going to even write it down. It, it did more to upset the status quo of the Mar- Marvel Universe than Endgame did. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's all, all you get. Okay. Um, um, but, but, but so how does that tie back into Loki? So with Loki, like Wanda and Vision touch on what a lot of the agencies were doing immediately after the blip when everyone came back and into the few weeks before after that. So we get to see like, and we're solidifying the, the use of magic within in the Marvel universe, as well as re-releasing um, one of the most powerful members uh, of Earth's defense force, the vision back out into the wild um, mm. with less control held oversight. over him yeah mm-hmm. far less oversight that's <laughs> because that's funny um and then falcon winter soldier kind of show where the direction of the heroes are going to go when they finally get their shit together and now that sam is cap it's like oh okay people are going to follow him and now with Loki, it's touching on both all all the the messiness left in the timeline, um, more magic, as well as all things cosmic. Like he's very much still living in the realm of like, oh right, you're from space, so like the more grandiose adventure, it makes sense, which keeps us in mind of going, oh right, the Guardians are still out there, Thor is still out there all of these other things are still going on out in space that will eventually affect Earth. So I, I think that's where these three shows have been doing a lot of work, getting us all ready for the next eight movies over the course of the next year and a half. Yeah, it's it's been really impressive, impressive to see like how much heavy lifting is is going on. It's like, it's basically like filling in the margins for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way, presumably there will need to be a lot less base building, like establishment stuff happening in the movies. They can just sort of jump into the next phase of stories without doing a lot of heavy introductory work and, you know, setting the scene. Yep. And that will still occur in a lot of a lot of the movies because you can't, as a filmmaker, you can't assume that everyone's watched all of the TV shows before going to see the next movie, 
or you know like watch the last movie from the last phase mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right i hear you yeah i'm just I, i'm sorry <laughs> um I still wish I was more excited about Black Widow. That we're now coming up on. Oh God, that releases next weekend. Oh shit! Wow, that's fast. I'm I'm more interested in it than I was before. You know, like for like for for various reasons, like the mm-hmm. the trailers were kind of you know like they're well made trailers. They 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 build excitement, but also just remembering, I'm like, okay, well, look, Loki. We know Loki is dead. Last we checked, and now he's at a show here, and we're all excited about that. So. And Vision, Vision was dead. I don't think we covered this the last time we talked about it, but Vision mm-hmm. was gone, and now he's not. And you're like, whoa, okay, what's what's going on here? <laughs> as as Doctor Darcy put it, he was like dead, dead. <laughs> yes, he was dead, dead. <laughs> he wasn't snapped dead. He was he was dead, dead. So, um, yeah, I th- I think that my initial ambivalence towards the Black Widow movie was was about a lot more than just oh well that character's already dead what do I care right it's like we we know how she got there it's like do do we someone pointed out to me the other day that um there is a figure seen in one of the more recent trailers that they were discovering it's like yeah he's got a hood on he's got a bow and he's got he's got a sword and i'm like yeah taskmaster it's like no 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 i know who taskmaster is this person was not taskmaster it was some covert agent running around with a bow and arrow and a sword and the movie's supposed to take place in budapest which harkens back to the avengers and the throwaway joke dialogue of between Hawkeye and Black Widow, where she goes, yeah, they're taking on, you know, fighting in the streets, fighting aliens. She's shooting guns. She goes, yeah, this reminds me of Budapest. And he just turns around and goes, you and I remember Budapest very differently. <laughs> <laughs> Which their theory is that this is the hooded mystery figure is Hawkeye and we are going to get to see Budapest. Mm. Um, which also ties into my theory that they're going to bring that Florence Pugh is going to carry on being the black widow in future movies following this movie. So Scarlett Johansson can go off and, you know, direct I I don't know the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie or something. Hmm. That 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 seems like the direction that she would take is like executive producer or director of an upcoming movie. That'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I I know that's the direction that Chris Evans was supposed to be going. But man, who knows? Uh, but back to Loki. Back to Loki. <laughs> yes. Uh, so. Um, so you made the comment about how the episode title Lamentus is, uh, obviously a pun. This is the first time that we, well, no, I guess not the first time, but we, we take a little bit more deeper of a dive into Loki's introspective self. 
Like mm-hmm. the, the, the things that he's done in his life, uh, choices that he's made, um, past love interests that clearly did not pan out, but we don't know why. Uh, and the same for the same for Sylvie. They 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 both clearly have some some personal relationships that they're not really willing to share with one another but are they're burdened by enough to at least comment on um while they're busy being smug at each other mm-hmm. it takes a lot of energy and effort to be that smug all the time <laughs> they're just like so convinced of the, they're each so convinced of their superiority over the other mm-hmm. um i think what one of the things that uh, I'm really digging is that uh, through three episodes now, they have given Loki time to grieve in such a way that makes it feel very, very authentic. Like, we see... And those are the moments that we actually see change within the character. Like when we see him see the fate of his mother, the uh, fate of his father, um, his own fate in episode one and dealing with that, dealing with the Ragnarok destroying Asgard in episode two, where it's like that gives him his pivotal clue and he's off and running and, but he has that moment where he just sits there reading the file over and over again with, while a single tear is coming down his face. He's like, not going to lose it. Not going to lose it. Yeah, I am. I'm going to lose it a little. Okay, I'm done. Going to move on. But they, they're acknowledging that in such a way that I think is, is great. And the drunken singing scene. Mm. Oh, man. That was gorgeous. Like, that was just so moving, I felt. Uh, that's that's another one of those moments where you're like, you're thinking about some, like, really, some, some really dark days from your past. You're not going to tell us what they are, but mm-hmm. it's, like, very clearly something that you're rehashing right now in, in not the best uh, environments also. <laughs> Um, but it also shows it's like yeah, he's I mean if he's similar age to Thor Thor what does he say his age is in um, Infinity War he's like 1500 oh. years old so Loki is in that same age range about this time um, so he's seen and done lots of shit mm-hmm. so stopping to get drunk and have a sing-along with complete strangers in enemy territory. It's like, I don't care. This is what how I feel right now. I may not get a chance to do it later, so I'm just going to do it. And everything's going to be fine, because I, I know I can get out of whatever situation is going to get thrown at me. All right. Uh, meanwhile, Sylvie, who presumably is in the same ballpark age... Uh, considers his behavior to be pretty fucking reckless. And mm-hmm. it's hard to disagree with her because it does botch the whole plan. Providing, of course, the plan was actually going to work in the first place. 
which seems unlikely. <laughs> it's like, oh, we need to siphon off an entire engine's worth of energy just to power this iPhone that we have with us. <laughs> uh, it's upsetting that something so powerful uh, is so easily destroyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, then again, iPhones. Yep. You know, that, that's the problem with being left to our own devices. Sometimes our devices break. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't believe I laughed at that. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry I made that joke. Um, uh, and just like you said, they the plan does not pan out. And then they uh, have a backup plan, which is like, okay, we can't essentially sabotage the civilization to get the power we need so now the planet's going to get destroyed and we're stuck on it uh oh what if we don't let that happen what if we get off the planet makes perfect sense and leads into yeah and leads into another fantastic fight scene only to be you know punctuated with the um the explosion of said ship that they're trying to get on. <laughs> um, and I love both of their reactions to it. That Loki's reaction is just to stand there dumbfounded that it actually didn't work. <laughs> and Sylvie walking away as if to find a <laughs> Like, nope, fuck this. I'm going to get drunk. <laughs> Uh, Bex make, made a comment in the chat uh, that she found uh, very relatable. Uh, the way she sort of just like walks off and just like screams, like like you like you're just you're so angry right now. You're so angry. Like the only thing you, but there's nothing you can do about the situation. So you're just gonna just scream. Um, yes, that is very relatable, Bex, and I think it's a really good. Um, It, it shows the difference between Loki and Sylvie. Loki, mm-hmm. throughout this misadventure, is very laissez-faire. He's he's not overly committed to the plan or its success. Um, you know, as indicated by reckless behavior that gets them thrown off the train and breaks the temp pad. Um, and and Sylvie, I think I know we talked about how they're both really disdainful of one another. Mm-hmm. She might be more right simply because Loki doesn't really seem to care that much and she's very dedicated to her plan and her mission uh, and it doesn't feel like he's taking it seriously. That is that is uh, definitely a way to look at it. Uh, there is a way to look at it from Loki's perspective in that if he is all in with the TVA, if they fail to get off the planet and both die. He's succeeded in his mission. If he and Sylvie make it off planet due to whatever plan he comes up with on the fly, he succeeds again because he's smarter than everybody else and figured it out and lived to, to, you know, tell the tale yet again Mm. so he yes there's definitely a he doesn't seem to take any of this seriously he's not doing anything to try and help 
there are a couple levels where not getting off this planet serves him better. Do you do you think that that's that's the case here? Is like he's maybe I not don't. overly committed because he doesn't care if he. I survives? I don't think that's true. Uh, I don't think that's how the show is written, and I don't think that's the direction they're going. But it is, it is a valid uh, interpretation. I think. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah. I I. I... I could see that being the actual case. Um, it certainly helps with uh, if you tie in the the song mm-hmm. that he was drunkenly singing on the train. Um, I had initially been looking at it from this perspective of like he's so he's got this like sort of like gifted child syndrome where like he's so used to always succeeding and not having to try very hard that now mm-hmm. he's just sort of like dicking around through this situation and it's blowing mm-hmm. up and uh he's just convinced that it's going to be fine which largely I, mean, I think that that is still what's going on with him but now you've got me thinking like what if what if it's like a little bit more than that i don't know the, there is one more piece of the puzzle that kind of threw throws a wrench in my theory and that is that he in talking with Sylvie he has the revelation that after Mobius says everyone was created by the the timekeepers to be part of the TVA he learns through you know like Sylvie's talking about her interactions he's like what did you say it's like oh before she worked at the TVA he's like Everyone at the TVA believes that they were created specifically to work at the TVA, and that's not true. They're all variants. They're all variants plucked from the timeline to work at the TVA. So, like... I'd almost forgot about that. Yeah. Right. So that gave him a different focus once they get to the... Like, once it was... Oh, we have to get on the ship to get off the planet now. It's like, I, I have to get back to the TVA because I can take this. Like, I can start to tear it down from within because none of these people know that they've been lied to the, their entire lives. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm still really fascinated to see where any of this is going to go. Uh, cameos at this point all feel like anything is on the table. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm not gonna be surprised at anybody showing up. Except Mephisto. I would be surprised if Mephisto showed up. <laughs> oh yeah, you you and Aaron have been on about the Mephisto thing for a while now, so that's because everyone else has been on about the Mephisto thing. Mm. Like yes, if Mephisto was gonna show up, it, he would have shown up in WandaVision and that wasn't the point. Like that, that was not the point of WandaVision. It was about making Wanda more, showing Wanda's actual strength versus um, tying it into, oh, this is being manipulated by Mephisto. He's doing all the things. It's like, eh, okay, fine. The devil made everybody do it. I don't fucking care. Um, Merrick showed me a thing yesterday in WandaVision. Oh. 
she's like, so I was talking with a friend of mine, and she's convinced that they edited the after credit scene in WandaVision. So she watched it, freaked out a little bit, waited till I got home. We're hanging out, and she's like, oh my god, I almost forgot. And then she's like, you have to watch the after credit scene of WandaVision. I'm like, why? It's like, it. I think it's been changed. It's like, okay. I watch it. Like, I don't saw a thing, but I don't like, what am I looking for? She's like, look again. And I look again, and I'm like, son of a bitch. And then this is in the final episode? This is in the last episode. Okay. Um, do you want me to help? Do you want, do you want some info? And then you can no. watch it? No, okay. no, no. I want to watch it Okay. and see if I get it. And then if I don't, then I'll, then I'll ask for help. Although, now that I say that, I'm like, what if it's something that I don't know anything about? It's like an Easter egg to a comic thing that I've never even heard of. It's not that. Okay. Um, just don't focus on what's directly in front of you. Okay, that much I figured I would be the Look thing. in like the a... peripherals. Okay. That's that goes for everybody listening. Like the, go go check out WandaVision end credit scene when you're going out to the cabin. There's a thing. Okay. And now we have other theories and more questions. Oh my god. Okay. Especially if it's a fucking edit right right that's what i was going to ask is like so you're saying that it has been changed since the original release yeah her friend thinks so but i i don't know i can't go back in time and double check right Um, right if it changed it it's like trying to watch uh a version of the it's like trying to get your hands on the despecialized star wars yes the despecialized uh you know I think that feels like a good place to stop with Loki for this week. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, largely because say, talking about the, the special editions reminded me of a thing. This is the perfect spot to talk about our sponsors. First up, Guardian Games. They have been with Geek in the City since day one. Go to 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon, and thank them for being our sponsor since day one. And you know what? A great way to thank them? This weekend, actually starting Friday, Guardian Games is going to have a huge Independence Day weekend sale from July 2nd to the 5th. Um, so yeah, pop on in and check out all the sale items that are happening at Guardian Games. This is the perfect time to uh, pick up some, you know, some gaming and stuff. I know summer's here and we want to do more things outdoors, but sometimes we're going to get slammed with those heat waves and you're going to be locked inside. You'll be like, I wish I had something to do. And someone's like, play video games. And you'll be like, fool, do you know how much heat the TV generates? No! You know what doesn't generate heat? Dice. Dice do not generate heat. Except for the heat of excitement of rolling a critical hit. <clears throat> Weird way to go with this. But uh, yeah, check them out. Guardian Games are having a huge sale this Friday through the 5th, which I think is Monday. So four days of sales. Check them out at Guardian Games. Find them once again at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. That would be Guardian Games. Which takes us to our next sponsor, 
Bridge City Comics. They are one of the city's finest comic book shops, and that is definitely saying something. You can check them out at 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in the Mississippi District, uh, you know, right next to an ice cream shop. So after you get your comics, you can get some ice cream, you know, kind of get cool and read some comics. Uh, they have expanded their hours. So they're, you know, they're kind of, they're not at full, you know, pre pandemic hours, but their hours have, uh, expanded. They're still closed on Monday. Uh, Tuesdays are noon to six and then Wednesday through Saturday, 11 to seven and Sundays, 11 to six. So now you have even more time to pick up your favorite comics or order a graphic novel, or start your own subscription box. You can do it all at Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland. And when you are there, please give them a big old thanks for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. And before we get back, a huge shout-out to RevNats of Reverend Nats Hard Cider. I know that, uh, you know, mass things have been lifted and, and, and whatnot, but uh, the three of us are still not able to record in the same room together. So a big shout out to RevNat for hooking us up with equipment so we can keep sounding good. Um, even though you hear the washing machine in the background of this ad break, uh, doesn't it sound good? <laughs> uh, Reverend Nats, huge thanks. Let's get back to the show. Yes. So again, LegoCon was over the weekend. Um, if anyone's interested in Lego at all, uh, you can, if you didn't see, um, Sorry, live if you, stream? Yeah, if you didn't see the live stream, it's about uh, a two-hour-long video. Um, it's on lego.com. You just go to lego.com. It's right there in the menu bar at the top. It says LegoCon. Click on that. Do all the things. Um, they talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, they started off the show by doing... Uh, they met with a bunch of AFALs, which is adult fan of Lego, to talk about um, their tips and tricks. And once the show got started, they, they it took place in, like I said before, the, the Lego house in Billund. Um, they started talking with a uh, designer of the Lego space stuff that's going out, which is the NASA Spatial Discovery, the ISS Space Station, which came from Lego Ideas. And one of the new uh, Lego City sets that's coming out is based on the project artemis and it has a, a it's got a neat app where you can like put a, a a live countdown board uh for launching the rocket on your phone and then you slide the phone into the lego set so it looks like the little lego people are looking at this giant screen it's really cute um but they also talked to uh, a nasa astronaut and found out that like NASA and Lego have been working together for the last 10 years. Um, and the Artemis project is all about uh, getting us back to the moon in such a way that it, it's a test run for colonizing Mars. So we're going to colonize the moon, um, which is neat. Um, but like they also talked about, um, there's a worldwide, uh, it's like a collaborative project called Dot Lego House, where you can go and submit a uh, a pattern done on a six by six Lego base plate with little Lego dots. Just make it a pattern, send it in, and the, those designs will get made and then put up on this giant wall um, all summer long. 
definitely something to check out. Uh, they talked to the, brought up the new Lego Harry Potter sets that are coming out, which are updated versions of the original uh, Harry Potter sets that they're hitting kind of their uh, anniversary. I think it's, a, I want to say 20th anniversary. Yeah, yeah, it is the 20th anniversary of Lego Harry Potter, which is crazy. Um, they also did a little talking about Lego Masters. I'm going to surprise our listeners for a moment. I haven't seen a single episode of Lego Masters, not one. Everyone in the world that knows me has gone, oh, you've seen Lego Masters, right? And I'm like, yeah. Nope. I haven't watched it. Um, <laughs> mostly because I, I think if I watch it, it's just going to fill me with so much FOMO that I, I, I can't. I can't handle it. Well, and um, it's, a, it's a competition show, right? Like a reality competition? It is. It, which is it not is your re- jam. Normally, no. That's not my jam. But it is also Lego, so I could you know, kind of deal with that. Um, but uh, they had one of the head judges. This is a woman named Amy on the show. Um, I'm like, oh, okay. It was apparently a like six foot two tall Scottish woman who talks about Legos, which is a Venn diagram that I didn't know I was interested in. <laughs> um, they let's see. They talked more about Lego ideas. They interviewed the guy who had designed the Lego grand piano who actually uh, teaches piano lessons and uh, not builds, but he maintains and tunes pianos for a living as well. And that was kind of what he, why he created the, the Lego grand piano set. So he could have a working piano that he could take apart and show people how you take apart and put back together grand pianos. Oh, wow. Yeah. As well as the, the new typewriter set, which just came out. It's gorgeous. Uh, the other big news was they are putting out, um, they've been working on this for a long time. Uh, the first step was they, all of the um, plant-based or plant Lego pieces, um, like trees and, and bushes and things like that, that, that you can build with. They're plant shapes. All plant-shaped Legos are made from plant-based oil. Oh, interesting. So, so, And that's separate from recycling plastic to make certain Legos as well? So they've never recycled plastic. They use, uh, because to, to maintain the integrity of their product, they've always used ABS plastic and high-grade um, like I was talking with an engineering student years ago about one of the other things that Lego does, like Legos. um, Molds for their pieces have to be so incredibly precise that they will machine make make, uh, machine molds for other companies for their products because they have a higher, um, level of uh, higher level of quality to their work the accuracy of the the, the building to spec exactly so like every everything that comes out of uh the lego factory has to fit with every version of lego that has existed across 50 years so um 
but the the latest step is they are figuring out ways to make Lego bricks out of recycled um, plastic from single use water bottles. Yeah, that's that's what I was. I yep. I mean, I only glanced at it while I was looking at all of the different topics that were covered, but that that was one that caught my eye. So, like, if they can figure out how to convert more and more plastic in, into Lego product and still have maintained the, the same standard of quality that they're used to, even like if it's in like a percentage, like that's huge because people still want Lego. Mm-hmm. And if they can just use recyclable plastic, fantastic. There's a lot of it. It's mostly in the ocean <laughs> where people put it. Yes. Um, the other okay. things that they talked about were, uh, of course, new stuff for Minecraft, new stuff for uh, Lego Super Mario, which are very cool. I'm just not the demographic for it, so I, you'll have to forgive me if I blank out a little bit there. Um, the, they talked with a, a friend's designer, and they also kind of gave a overview of the next season of Lego Ninjago, the TV show. Mm-hmm. which Lego Ninjago is also celebrating its 10-year anniversary. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is, to date, probably one of their most successful original series that they have done. Um, and then there was, then they got to Star Wars. Oh, boy. And, yeah, and for Star Wars, um, they unveiled three new sets all set in season two of the Mandalorian. Um, and this is kind of why it's going to tie into the Bad Batch. So one of them is uh, the little armored truck thing that uh, from when they go to raid the Imperial base with Grief Karga yeah. and Cara Dune. So it's got Grief Karga. It's got three stormtroopers. One of them is a new artillery trooper. So he's got yellow markings on his helmet. Um, so it's that's a little tank thing. It's gorgeous. It's really cute. Did uh, they not make a Cara Dune? They did make a Cara Dune. Um, which I get why. Like, it's cheaper. Um, I feel like they, they missed an opportunity to make uh, a Bo-Katan instead. But, mm. you know. I also figure, yeah, this is going to be the last time they're making Cara Dune, so uh, what the fuck. Um... So then there's an Imperial cruiser, a Moff Gideon's Imperial cruiser. So it's got ah. Moff Gideon. It's got a, a dark trooper. It's got Grogu. It's got the Mando. It's got Cara Dune. And then it has Fennec fucking Shand. Nice. <laughs> um, Ming-Na Wen uh, on her Twitter has been agog over the fact that she is now, now a minifig. It's like, that's... That's starting to become one of the, it's like, yeah, I've got an action figure, but do you have a minifig? <laughs> <laughs> minifig. Um, the, the cruiser is really cool. They kind of introduced this whole piece about the Mando sets by showing a smashed set on the ground. And then it shows this little kid in a Mando costume standing on the roof of the building in the rain, looking very sad, even though you can't see through the helmet. Um, and then there's this little girl sitting off to the side holding a Lego-built Grogu, and she's wearing a Ahsoka headgear. And so she holds her hand out 
and summons the force and you see all these Lego pieces reverse and go back to into the shape of the ship and then it flies all the way back up to the hands of the, the Mando standing on, on the building. It's like, yeah, it's, you just reversed the film, but that was really cute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the final ship for Mando season two is Boba Fett's starship. And it comes with the updated Boba Fett, which I'm really excited about because it's now you've got, you know, warrior monk um, Boba Fett with black and, and robes underneath his armor. The armor itself has been, looks like it has been repainted the way it was in the show. And then it also comes with Mando. Um, it's a $50 set and it's a smaller version of the Slave One than they've done in the past five years which is great because it makes it a lot more affordable, but it still has the same level of uh, detail to it that like the larger $200 sets do. Is it comparable in design, uh, like putting it together? Yeah. The the challenge level? I forget Um, what they refer to that as, but. uh, Buildability. Like easy, easy, medium, hard, or is it like a range of one to something? It's not creator level, but it is intermediate to be sure. It has a lot of working gears. It has a handle on the underside of it that pulls out so you can swoosh it around. It also comes with a little um, loading cart that you unfold in such a way that the the ship can sit on it. Um, and then they closed out the show with a, a little competition and um, they were played out by DJ LLAMA from their video line which I need to look into more and then maybe talk about it on the show at a future date video is I don't I'm not the demographic for it again because I I don't I'm an old man who doesn't understand TikTok Um, video V-I-D-I-Y-O yeah video Um, that's very hip it like it's a series of sets with very unique minifigs, um, an AR app and Lego tiles that um, trigger programs within the app. And it makes you a DJ. I, um, this feels similar to uh, uh, Amiibo, I think they're called for video games. Yes. I yes. know they exist for Nintendo Switch, but I think they exist for other platforms too. You mm-hmm. get a physical something and then it it causes digital actions. Yep. Yeah. I think they they originally sprang up during the age of the Wii, but, mm. but Anyway, that that was LegoCon. Again, lego.com, go check it out. It, it's if you're into Lego, it, it's worth your time. That's um, a lot of good stuff. So the the thing that you had sent me was a, a news article uh, pertaining to Boba Fett's starship. Yeah. Uh, so um, most Star Wars fans are well aware of the fact that Boba Fett um, rides around in a ship known as Slave One. And that's mm-hmm. been the case for decades. Yep. Um, I believe it technically belonged to his father, didn't it? It did. Or does he inherit inherit it when he's hanging around with bounty hunters and such? See, I don't, I don't know what happened to the ship between 
um, the death of Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones, and when we see Boba Fett with the ship in Empire Strikes Back. Hi. Mm. It's I could have sworn he's on it in the Clone Wars. See, I, I don't remember. I think you've seen it more recently than I have. Yes. Um Yeah, I was pretty sh- I'm like I, I'm like my brain is like visually remembering Boba Fett on Slave One with his are they bounty hunters or just outright bad guys? That part I can't remember, but it's from it's during the Clone Wars stuff. So okay. um at any rate it's Boba Fett's starship. Its mm-hmm. designation is Slave One. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, in the past, whenever a Lego set has come out of this particular ship, it has been referred to by its its title, Slave One. Yep. Not a great name. I don't care what George Lucas says. Not a great name. It Yeah. You're 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 not wrong. Um and there's it, no rhyme or reason as to why it's called that as far as we know right um, uh and as of uh, uh, currently there is a a big push to change the vernacular that we use and instead of referring to people as slaves which sort of ident makes that their identity mm-hmm. we are moving towards referring to such people as enslaved peoples and right. and their you know they're human traffickers as slave owning people. Just just changing the way we word things so that it's just better. It better describes the reality of the heinous situation. It it puts the onus on this was a thing that was done to them, not a thing that they are. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think that it's a big deal. They're not Disney and Lego are not rewriting the canon they are just opting not to use the the title then the the designated name of the ship they're just describing what it is instead boba fett's ship and and here's the here's the thing that like when i saw this i like i saw the ship and i'm like huh that's interesting on the package it's just called boba fett's starship i mentioned this to merrick and merrick's like yeah, they probably want to stop using Slave One on, on children's toys. I'm like, oh, yeah, that would make sense. And that was the last, like, that was all the thought that it took. It's like, oh, yes, of course. You're, let's, this is a thing that we put on toys for children. Let's maybe, you know, think about what we're doing. I don't feel like that uh, it's any deeper than that, than... Like, let's not put this on a branded toy that represents um, two different companies and a major franchise, a major intellectual property franchise. Like, let's let's move on from that, and it, everyone knows what it is. Like, they were they have they like you said they did not strip the name Slave One from the name of the ship. It's still called the Slave One. It just means toy packaging won't say Slave One. Mm-hmm. That's that's all this means. Um, and it's the difference between me saying Tyrion or my dog. Right. Um, for the toxic fan bases to again 
attack this as you're trying to be woke or you're trying to do this or you're trying to do that. It's like, what the fuck is your problem? Because this is 100% your problem and not a problem with the thing. It's like, if this makes you that mad, it means that you have other things going on that you need to address. And largely, they're going to make you realize that maybe you've been kind of a shitty person. We don't uh, want to have that conversation with people, but, but Norm, that's the conversation to have. Yeah. Uh, Norm is like, Norm is saying, it was a ship named by white guys who were living in a total vacuum socially in the 80s, you know, when it was a great time to be a white guy, no boundaries uh, while putting up every possible boundary for anybody else. Um, I mean, that's, and that's like a, that's a pretty fair summary of what it is. Like no one thought about what that name could mean to other people when they see it. And if you, and if your mission is to sell toys based on a TV show, you are going to do whatever is going to be acceptable to the largest number of people. And guess what? Most people don't enjoy the term slave. Um, and I don't, I, I'm curious how much of a fuss, uh, how much of a tantrum toxic fanboys would be making right now if, if, uh, the actor who once very briefly played Boba Fett's wasn't fanning the flames and talking about how, like, idiotic this movie is on behalf of Disney and, like, they're boycotting the mouse now. Uh, by which I mean Mark... What is his name? Mark Anthony Austin, who is Boba Fett for, like, what, 45 seconds? I stand by the fact that I am more Boba Fett than that asshole <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, so he plays, uh, he played Boba Fett um, in A New Hope. Uh, Special after they made edition. The, the, yes, after they added in a bunch of unnecessary shit. Mm-hmm. Like fucking Han Solo tripping over Jabba the Hutt's tail. That's how important this guy is. Yep. He's tripping over a tail, level of important. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to begrudge him his IMDb credit, fine. But that does not in any way, shape, or form make him Boba Fett. And I still actually need to remember it's not Boba Fett. It's Boba Fett. Yeah, 40 years of saying it one way. I, um, I know, but like when Attack of the Clones came out, Timur Morrison tried to teach us how to say it, and we still said Boba Fett. And that season two of Man- Mando, it's like, Boba. It's like, Oh fuck! We've all been saying your name wrong. Mm. We have been saying your name wrong. It's Boba, Boba Fett. Um, yeah, like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> That's all I got. I... Yeah, no, I don't even care enough about that guy to to say fuck him. I'm like, I don't care what you think. Um, Manju says fuck that guy (laughs) Uh, and Zach in the chat uh, mentions like man is there any smarter career move than getting blacklisted from Disney for standing up for hate I'm like did you not see what happened to Gina Carano although depending on who you ask she's making a big comeback so whatever 
Uh, and Beck says, yeah, go ahead and boycott. Then maybe there will be less people at Galaxy's Edge. That would be lovely. I, I would love I, that. I take that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually would be totally fine if every toxic fan would actually, like, rather than whine about it on the internet or protest and petition for dumb shit, just just boycott. Just walk away. You know what? You've got Chick-fil-A. I, I, I have walked away from that decades ago, and you can have that, and then I will I will keep Disney because you're mad about Slave 1 or not yep. calling it Slave 1. Whatever. Exactly. I, think that's a fair, I think that's a fair trade-off. That is a fair trade-off. <laughs> um so like speaking of clones and 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 disney and star wars and bounty hunters and bounty hunters uh last two episodes of uh episodes eight and nine of the bad batch yeah and i'm uh, actually glad that uh i was behind because these two episodes belong together yeah yeah it was kind of shitty having to wait an entire week to see what was going to happen <laughs> <laughs> like oh man Ugh. Um. All right. So, episode eight was called "Reunion," mm-hmm. which and... which could only mean one thing. Yes, very, very obviously, they were finally going to have their face off with, or at least their first face off with Crosshair. Yep, and I like the fact that episodes seven, eight, and nine all happen within a couple days of each other. Like mm-hmm. eight takes place. They're still just a few hours after removing chips from all of their heads. They're yes, now, they're in the same place. They yep, haven't. They're just trying to raid the planet for as much as they can steal so they can go sell it on the black market. And then the Empire and Crosshair show up. Not only that, but we learn that the Kaminoans, to, at no surprise, are trying to track down and bring back Omega. She is a very, very valuable asset to to them. And they they (laughs) finally, the show finally lays out, um, not that, I feel like this was obvious to to fans, people who've watched a lot, if not all of the back material regarding clones, Omega is basically like Boba Fett in that she is original DNA, uh, unaltered, so she didn't have the rapid aging to, you know, bring her up into soldier-appropriate age right away. She's still a child. I think the only alteration to her her code is that she is a woman and not a man. Mm -hmm. Other Um, than that, she she has the exact same DNA coding. As Django, right, and thus uh, yes, um, and uh, they already explained that the genetic material that they've been working with through various iterations of clones is deteriorating, and the clones have been of of a lesser quality in mm-hmm. more recent iterations. And so, if they if the Kaminoans really want to keep their contract for supplying the empire with soldiers, the now empire with soldiers, then they, they need to get Omega back uh, so that they can mine her genetic code mm-hmm. to make, to make fresh batches of pure uncut clo- and clones. Um, Which when you take it from a, a solely economic standpoint, 
the the Kaminoans will only continue to survive if they are allowed to keep making clones for the Empire the way they used to make it for uh, the Republic. Because they they're looking at the very short end game of like if if they cut us out of this loop, if they do nothing but have um, recruits, they're not going to need clones. They're not going to need us. And I think we have a pretty good idea of what the Empire does to things they don't need, and mm-hmm. that is nuke them, use them I mean, for target at, practice. At a minimum, they would just have no industry anymore, and then right. they would and they would be left to their own lack of resources. Yep, and they they do have a they do have a lack of resources. Um, I, I feel like that uh, we're just going to blend into nine as well. Since, like, like you're saying that this really went together well as a two-parter. Um, well, let's let's finish sort of yeah. recapping uh, episode eight. Is so Crosshair and some of his new troops show up because they want they want to take out uh, Troop Ninety Nine. Mm-hmm. Bounty hunters, or well, the Kaminoans have been working to get. Omega back, and that has taken the form of Cad Bane, everyone's favorite Clone Wars bounty hunter. To and if you look at the timeline, I believe that Cad Bane is the the apex bounty hunter of his time. He's not the only bounty hunter because we come across every single one of them, like. They, they've fleshed out Aura Singh from Phantom Menace. We've gotten more backstory on Bosk and Dengar during the Clone Wars. They introduce more bounty hunters um, in that show. But Cad Bane, out of all of them, has a particular knack of, if not completing his mission, always getting away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he's damn near impossible to kill off. And that he's had makes... a lot of he's had a lot of perceived deaths. I, mm-hmm. I feel like in the in the Clone Wars series, at least. And as Merrick has pointed out to me, he's like he's got a lot of tech in him. There's a lot of uh, replacement parts. It's like yeah, so he has every single one of those close calls that he walked away from. It's made him even like he's the walking embodiment of if it didn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. And in his case, it also makes him more cunning. He is a very wily character. Mm-hmm. He he's not easily fooled. He he very rarely shows his hand, even when he has partnered with you to achieve a mutual goal. No, yep. The only thing that you can be sure of is that whatever the mission is, Cad Bane's going to come out on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, Speaking of someone who will definitely cut you loose after the fact, mm, or when mm-hmm. you know when you're no longer needed. Um, yeah. So him showing up to have a good old fashioned high noon showdown with Hunter. That was rough because it's like I love Hunter. Hunter's great. He does all of these great things. He cannot win in a gunfight against Cad Bane. He is not a quick draw. No, that was that was a good old fashioned like 
cowboy movie showdown. Yep. And Hunter is not that. No, he's Cad not. Bane is. And and Cad Bane is so much more. Like he is <laughs> he definitely genuinely feels like a threat. He feels the way that Cad Bane has has uh, been portrayed throughout the Clone Wars and now in the Bad Batch is what comes across to me as what we were always told that Boba Fett could do in the original trilogy. It's like that's how bad a, a badass that Boba Fett is. That's that's what he does. It's like yeah, but we've never seen it. He just looks cool. Yeah, uh, Norm in the chat is saying like Cad Bane is that guy who I think could best the Mandalorian as a bounty hunter. And that definitely got me thinking like, well, he, it, it got me thinking about Boba Fett. Like he had all of this clout in the past, but never, you never, ever saw it on screen right. until, until the Mandalorian. Yep. Mandalorian t- season two has now retroactively fixed uh, Boba's um, place in the canon and place in the, uh, the um, bounty hunter universe. I think that's currently being carried over in the star Wars comics. There is a, a, a mini series running through, I think multiple titles called war of the bounty hunters. And, and it's uh Boba Fett trying to get from Bespin to Tatooine with Han frozen and carbonite and the like 16 people that steal him away from him. And then Boba has to like kill them to get him back over and over and over again. Yeah. It's yeah. War of the bounty hunters. Um, That feels like it would be fun to watch. mm -hmm. Well, I think we're going to get, I, I think I've added it to my poll list largely because I think it's going to shit. It's going to matter when we get to October and book of Boba Fett starts. Damn it, now I want to do that. Yeah. You <laughs> I mean it is Marvel. You can you can trade weight some of these things. It's true. Um, I don't need my money. They've they get enough of it. Yes. They they have <laughs> Yep. Um uh, so yeah, uh Cad Bane and Hunter have a standoff and and yep, literally one on one. Old, like old-fashioned western movie style yep. uh, and and cad bane gets the gets the jump on him uh takes hunter down and then drags omega kicking and screaming yep on his ship and flies away yep and that's that's where it ends that you get a, a really cool pov scene of uh the rest of the bad batch dragging uh hunter back onto the ship but you don't really know how he ends up. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a, a cliffhanger ending on that one. Which, fortunately, people don't have to wait for because we, we're now at that point where we've all seen episode nine. Um, <laughs> Norma's calling it now. I think Hondo will make an appearance at the end of Bad Bash. Um, I would agree with that. Uh, especially since Hondo is in Rebels. Uh, I don't believe that... Oh, that's he, right. Hondo does not have uh, an an ending as of yet that's been on screen. So he's he's still in his prime, 
during the Bad Batch, so he's definitely going to show up because um, Hondo and Sid run in the same circles. They absolutely have to. So uh, uh, I will agree with your your calling there, Norm. Um, I've got a few of my own to mention before the end of the show. Oh, all right. Um, so the episode nine, it, we get warring bounty hunters. Um, the Bad Batch calls in the Sid to figure out what they what they know about Cad Bane. She knows of him by reputation and knows well enough to stay the fuck away from him. <laughs> so she doesn't have anything that can help. Um, but they do end up getting a, a lead. Um, and Omega, to her credit, like I love the fact that this is how they play Omega. At no point is she ever the kid in like even when she's in danger she's not in distress um she has taken everything that she has learned from um the bad batch and put it puts it to you so it's i need to get out of this um cage once i'm out of the cage then i need to find communications once i get communications then i can call for backup once i have and then once I've called for backup, then I just need to stay alive until they show up. Mm-hmm. Um, she is still scared. She is still a kid. She still acts like a kid, but she's smart. And they play her as kid smart as, and as a kid learning, you know, using the lessons that she's being taught, um, which for a kid show is incredibly important. Like show kids having their own agency, using it, and knowing when to ask for help and how to accept it. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I love everything they've done with Omega so far. It's at so the, impressive. It reminds me that at the beginning of episode eight, it occurred to me that she's basically been leveling up as though in a video game mm-hmm. this whole series. First, she gets a little communicator watch, and then she gets her crossbow, and the, the way, the, I guess, like the skills. Every episode, she's developing a new skill and having opportunities to exercise the things that she's learned. And I don't want to say that it, it, it culminates in episode nine, but you see a, so much of it come together with, with that outline that you just shared of all yep. the way she step-by-step step meticulously worked her way into essentially saving herself. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, she did have to wait to, you know, like for someone to come to where she was, but she got free, made that co- contact and stayed uncaptured until help came, which is fucking impressive. And part of that help was help that she didn't in, uh, didn't rely on, but she did capitalize on. And that was in the form of Fennec Shan. Mm-hmm. who showed up again, who is also working for the Kaminoans, but not the Kaminoans. She's working right. for one, and clearly the Kaminoans have opposing viewpoints about the importance of Omega and who she is. Um, well, it seems like there's one specific Kaminoan mm-hmm. who is, is is very invested in her for for reasons that go beyond, if not fully contrary to why the 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 um, the chancellor of the Kaminoans wants. Right. Sorry. That, that is his title, right? Uh, Prime Minister, I think. Prime Minister, thank you. 
something like that. Sorry, I had to plug in my surface. So I was fiddling with things. Gotcha. Fiddly, fiddly. Oh, you're fine. Um, um, I feel like I should know any of their names by now, but I don't. They're not huge characters in in this. But so the, the prime minister who wants her back because she's a very important asset um, and in in this arc has said, once we have her back and we get the, the genetic material that we need, you're going to terminate her. Right. Which because is, she's just an experiment to them. Yeah. Uh, it seems wasteful to me if, if she's their last, you know, pure genetic copy. Um, but then there's the other Kaminoan who I believe, um, if not her, her engine, uh, um, Omega's engineer mm-hmm. uh, has at least been her caretaker and they, they f- have a personal relationship. She's basically like her mom, I'm gonna guess. Um, unless yeah, it was more it communal than as. that. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't pick up on on a more communal communal upbringing of her. It's not like she had other other young clones to to grow up with. Right. Uh, and and kids want someone to connect with. So I I I feel like it's it's the only obvious answer is that they have a, a close personal connection, and. Um, and so this is the episode where we find out that Fennec Shand, who has already captured and almost taken Omega away once before, is doing it on behalf of this one Kaminoan who doesn't necessarily want to bring her back, but just keep her out of the hands of the rest of the, the cloning facility yeah. uh, and anyone who has any say in that situation. And... This is where I want to tie back into Mandalorian um, because I will be very surprised if things aren't deliberately moving this direction. Um, Sorry, I'm going to back up first. The fight scene between Cad Bane and Fennec Shan was impressive. It was impressive in a way that I was momentarily afraid that Fennec Shand was going to kill Cad Bane. And I don't want a dead Cad Bane. I I certainly didn't... Like, I get all bounty hunters end up meeting a violent end, but man, I didn't want them to just bring him back for the Bad Batch and then kill him off. That would have been... Like, him getting away, it's like, yeah, she she ties him up and throws him off over the side of the b- building and he still rocket boots himself away back to his ship. It's like, yep, that's classic Cad Bane. Always mm-hmm. gets away. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even when you think you've done him in, gets away. Um, but the the fight between the two of them was great, especially since having watched S.H.I.E.L.D. and watched Ming-Na Wen fight, like there were moves I'm like, that's not mocap of Ming Na Wen, but you all watch her. <laughs> nice. Like those are those are Ming Na Wen martial arts moves. Um, I I don't. If we ever get a chance to interview Ming Na Wen, I'm gonna. I want to talk to her about whether or not she saw herself becoming an action movie star or an action TV star at the age of fifty. 
was that in your plan? Did, did you go, <laughs> you know what? When I, when I'm 50, I'm going to become a badass, <laughs> just a badass fighter that everyone's going to go. Oh yeah. She walks into a room with 20 guys. you you go, you're going to need more guys. <laughs> um, also, I find it interesting that she came to Omega's rescue as if she were the cavalry. Because that's her nickname on S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> it's like, I, I think she's kind of, she's getting a reputation. <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's the good kind of typecasting, I feel. Mm-hmm. It is. So it's like, it's like, oh, I'm in my mid-50s and now I get action move i get action roles okay cool i'll take them um but yeah like you said uh, um, omega gets away on her own and gets to a place where the bad batch picks her picks her up easily and she's reunited and they all figure out well this is why they want you back um they had another clone alpha and that clone was unaltered and went with uh jango fett and alpha is Boba, which is why they're Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Oh, boy. Um, I don't know exact ages. I am guessing that Omega is roughly two years younger than Boba. That feels about right, because he's like not quite adolescent when we when we meet him in Clone Wars and how long, how long was the Clone Wars? Like I know the series lasts uh, forever, but it's yeah. The Clone Wars is eight seasons. Um, The Clone Wars themselves takes place about over four years. Okay. So let's say he was 10 at the time. He was 10 at the beginning of the war. Okay. So then that would that would make him about 14 now, which would make Omega 12-ish. Yeah. That which works. Which is about where she's at. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we can... Um, we have not yet confirmed that Alpha and Omega even know one another exist. Because Alpha was payment to Django. So Alpha was not raised by the Kaminoans. Alpha was solely raised by Django. Mm-hmm. Granted, they lived on Kaminoa for at least 10 years. Wait, I thought it was Camino. Camino. Why did I say Kaminoan? Oh, because we keep saying Kaminoans. <laughs> right. I just wanted to make sure I didn't have it wrong all this time. Um, yeah, you're right. They stayed on, on Camino, but... As far as I know, Django didn't really have anything to do with any part of the clone Mm-mm. creation or training process. He was just nope. there because he's the asset and he needed to be nearby. Yep. Um, In case anything went bad, they still wanted him. It's like, okay, fine. I get to right. live protected on this ocean planet um, and still mm-hmm. go run bounties. Cool. Done. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we know that prior to joining the Bad Batch, Omega had never even seen Earth, like dirt or fresh air. Yep. She's lived on a water planet the entire time. So here's my theories. Um, 
Fennec Shand is the connective tissue between the Bad Batch and the Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in her mid-twenties in the Bad Batch. She's in her fifties in uh, Boba Fett. Bad. Um, we don't know what happens to Omega and we won't until the end of the series right Mm -hmm. but what they have done by making this connective link of like they are both unaltered clones they both age normally they are both genetic copies uh, one male one female of Jango Fett they're essentially twins yes they are at the very least siblings. Fennec Shand is a bounty hunter with knowledge of that era all the way till now. Knows who Boba Fett is. Which means Fennec Shand knows that Boba Fett has a sister that he probably doesn't know about. The Unless I'm forgetting or I missed something, what we, what I perceive the audience does not know is when Fennec Shand meets and joins forces with Boba Fett for the first time. Um, that's true. We are assuming that the first time they meet is when Boba rescues her in the desert, um, performs like fits her with cybernetic parts to to save her life. Um, but that may not be the first time they've met. Is that something that's outlined in the Mandalorian and I just forget? Yeah, that that's okay. 100% why Fennec Shan showed up in season two. She's like, I was dead in the desert. Boba found me, put me back together. So, but we don't know when that was. It, shortly after, it, it was in season one. In season one of the Mandalorian the end credits shows Fennec Shan dead in the desert and oh, this mysterious I, figure I 100% forgot that okay. yeah this mysterious figure walks up and for the longest time I'm like like our theory in this house was oh it was Moff Gideon Moff Gideon didn't want to leave an asset behind so you know collected Fennec Shan you don't hire Ming-Na Wen to play a character you're going to kill right in their first appearance and clearly that was correct because they brought her back and 100% did not see them going oh no it was Boba that found her in the desert and brought her back it's like okay that's great um if if Omega survives the Bad Batch series I believe the intent is to have an adult actress play Omega in Book of Boba Fett that is not that feels like it's a a one to two odds of happening if you were putting bets down that um that lays out some interesting real world logistical issues how so um so omega I mean, I guess maybe that's not the weirdest thing because all of the clones like try to have like a little bit of individuality so that they they all have like slightly differing uh, aspects of their appearance. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, Omega, Omega looks like a white girl. She does. 
but and the actress that voice voices her is a, a New Zealander. Specifically, a, um, a, a Pacific Islander New Zealander. Yes, thank you. Not a colonist New Zealander. Yes, thank you. Um, come here. And uh, and so then that leaves the the quandary. It, it becomes another Ahsoka situation where they're like, okay, well, this is the voice of this character that's established, but we want a character who looks like this, and so we need to cast it differently now mm-hmm. maybe uh i think that you can still cast someone who this is where you start casting people who are hapa um because you can get that you can get the effect that you want and get the person that you want by casting someone who is half asian or half pacific Islander or part in, in any way because that that still carries through in features and then allows you to have other features that you can play with. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. It is weird to be that reductive, um, but that is a thing that can occur. Um, right. Yeah. I don't, any I don't casting mean for director it to be... worth their salt knows that by now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't, I don't mean to like make the, the topic or like uh, make the character choices reductive, but it's just, like we already saw this play out with Ahsoka, and and then they they roll out with already like a character whose on screen you know animated appearance differs from the voice that embodies it. And mm-hmm. so, if you if the long game is to to create a um a live action version of this character, like what was your plan there? Yeah, I'm sure they have one. Like, yeah, they probably. I, I'm 100 sure Dave Filoni has a plan, as we talked about last week. It's like, ah, oh, that's what he does. Um, the, my long shot other theory about what's going to happen with book. Um, I think we're going to get live action Cad Bane. That would be so cool to see. And I, I think it's going to be Doug Jones. That would be great. So here's Thanks. why. Um, there was, uh, after the season two of uh, Mandalorian, <laughs> um, after season two of Mandalorian, they did another gallery special, which is the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And they did, um, there's a shot from it of a bust in the special effects makeup department, right? The someone's head and uh, upper torso, and they're starting to put work on it. Of like, oh yeah, this is we're doing this to build out to to see, uh, you know, to make makeup for this character. And you look at the bust, and the bust is Doug Jones. Like he's very, very familiar (laughs) as long as you've seen him outside of makeup. I don't know that most Star Wars fans have seen him outside of makeup or the casual Star Wars observer. Mm. But those of us who've been following him for years, you go, that's Doug Jones. <laughs> um, those of us who watch season three of Discovery know exactly what Doug Jones looks like. And you also know from season three of Discovery that Doug has taken a reduced role in season four. Why would he do that? Unless, of course, he was filming some other 
star related show. Oh. So I don't I, I don't think I had heard about his reduced role in Oh no, that's not true because we know that his character is yeah. sort of like straddling homeworld versus federation. Yep. Right he's he's taken on a more ambassadorial role uh so that uh Michael can have a, a chance at the chair for a while. Um I yeah, I really think that uh that is that is the uh, collective uh theory of this household actually is that that's exactly what Doug Jones is doing is we are not going to be surprised at all when they go and Cad Bane has joined season one of Book of Boba, Boba Fett's and season three of Mandalorian and will also star in whatever crossover movie that they're building to take down Thrawn. Just the, <laughs> just, just the core concept of Cad Bane in a live action setting feels like like a must have at this mm-hmm. point because they're, they're doing so much work bringing pre-existing animated characters into live action and then live action into the animated series. Yep. And yeah, they're, they're obviously working really hard to sort of cross, uh, not cross breed, but cross present multi-platform characters. And uh, if you bring back Cad Bane, you I mean, cause you could have thrown any bounty hunter in there really. Yep. Like, what about Hondo? Them. Whatever. Um, Hondo's not technically a bounty hunter. Hondo is 100% a pirate. Pirates, you're right. He's a pirate. Um, but th- that's, that, that's the point. Is like There's no shortage of bounty hunters in this universe, so <laughs> you didn't need to pick one we know and love if you aren't planning on doing something more with him later. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it feels like... It it feels evident that at a minimum we're gonna get live action Cad Bane. If it turns out to be Doug Jones, that's just the icing on the cake. Yeah. I could have sworn that in that episode of uh Disney Gallery, they they sort of outlined that like, oh, well, Doug Jones is basically like the industry standard for uh high end prostheses. So we just happen to have busts of him. Like every I... everyone who does SFX prostheses has a Doug Jones bust. Yep. I I find I I think that is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I I think there's some truth to it, yes, but I, I think that's I think they're trying to cover their own ass. Um so they went, did that did that just go out? Oh, shit. Make something up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doug Jones is just an industry standard. We use his bus for multiple things. Why? He's built very specifically. He has a small head, larger shoulders, and is infinitely skinny so that whenever you put prosthetics on him, he looks normal. <laughs> so he's, he's, It's a good base. It's a really good base. Yep. Um, whether it's Doug or not, I, I, I think that uh, I do think that um, Cad Bane is going to show up. Uh, that's that's my that's my long shot call. Um, if and when he does show up in live action, it's going to be so fun watching Merrick lose her mind because Cad Bane is her favorite Star Wars character. It's definitely her favorite out of the Clone Wars, but I think overall, it's like that's her favorite. It's he's, like, a, he's a lot of fun for a bad guy. Yep. Yeah. 
Hi, dog. You're right here. Yeah. Do you want and to? And I, I calling him a bad guy is a little reductive. Look at that it's nugget. Complicated. Look, yeah. Look right there. There you are. You see yourself. You're not even looking. Baby time on the Geek in the City mm-hmm. podcast. Doggy time. Irma. Oh, she can't hear me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Put your headphones on, Irma. We're doing a show. <laughs> Do I need to get you little doggy headphones? Yeah. She's like, what? Oh my God. Doing? That would be too cute. Yeah, it would. All right. Snag- little snaggle tooth. Uh, well, I think we've covered it. I think we I think we have done it. We have done two weeks sans Aaron and talked the shit out of some Star Wars and some Marvel. Aaron who? <laughs> don't, don't tell him I said that. It'll hurt his feelings. He listens to this when he edits it. Only if he has time. Oh, okay. He didn't listen to last week's as far as I know. Oh, uh, okay. I had I had to provide my own recap like a caveman. No, we do. We do need him. We do. We need him to edit and and write. Do do the write ups and and do the uploading. We also need him because it's <laughs> part of the show. It is part of like all three of the voices are what make the show. Yeah, real quick while Aaron's not here. Like, I don't think we should have like you know in any like official capacity a geek in the city that does not include Aaron Duran. So he's just not allowed to quit. I don't care what he says. That's fair. With, with with the like understanding of when he has hit a point where he's like, no, I'm I'm done, I'm done, guys. It's like no, okay, no retiring. There's no retiring. There from is podcasts. retiring. If we do something else together or separate, that's fine. But I I think that uh, if there's not an Aaron, there's not a Geek in the City. I'm not foreshadowing anything either. I, okay. <laughs> Everyone's like, okay. Bear went on vacation, and then, and then he talked about, hey, we're going to end the show. Hey, <laughs> what's happening? Why is this awful? Now Irma's concerned I'm making cry face. It's, it's not real. It's fine. Everything's fine. Dog. Everything's fine. She's like, eh, is it? And to the listeners, it's, it's cool. Everything's fine. Everything's, Everything's fine. fine. We are not ending the show. I just like. I mean, we're ending the show for today, but we're not. (laughs) Jesus, we're not ending the show. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Jesus, this is why we need Aaron back. That's right. He reigns us in. Terrifying to think that, isn't it? (laughs) Which is funny because I always blame him for any out of controlness that I I exhibit these days. We we I mean we rein him in as well. It's it's a mutual effort. It's we're cl- we're cross platforming here. Yep. Like on times when you're unavailable and it's E and I, then we just sit here and ramble. Like we go off on tangents. It's like what were we talking about? I don't know. I think we passed the subject matter like sixteen topics ago. <laughs> Worse than we did this week and last week. We still thread things through pretty well. We're, we we managed to get back on track. You're saying it's even for your your tangents are even further removed from the topics that were intended. Oh yeah, like today we're going to talk about Star Wars and then Birdseed and then maybe uh, F1 <laughs> racing and then some wrestling, RPGs, uh, tequila. You know, it's like 
what? <laughs> Nothing weird here. Yep. Alrighty. Well, I think we should go. I think that's it. I think so too. That's all I, I got. Gotta, I gotta go water some gardens here. Water some gardens? Yeah. Okay. Well, I gotta go water Aaron's garden, actually. Oh. I I have to feed Irma. That's why she's looking at me like food. I want some fucking food. Dude. So, that's food. why I feed my dog before the show starts. Mm. I don't want right. to be stare- I don't want to be stared at all night. All right. This has been Geek in the City. I have been Beanerita. And I have been Cable Hashtag. And we'll talk to everybody next week. Bye.